the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of the Arsene. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. I am not Bob France, as you can tell. I'm, I'm Khalid Namar. Uh, those of you who know me, I've been in this seat many, many times. I am here this Monday in for my brother Bob France, who always has the confidence in, in me to ask me to fill his seat. I am the host normally on Sunday nights on this station of Rising Tides at 9 o'clock on Sunday nights. It's uh, I just got through my third week. So it's coming along. I'm getting better and better each week. But today I'm here to always write radio in from my brother again, Bob France. So this is uh, the seventh, the day before big day tomorrow in the state of Ohio election day. I voted yesterday on issue one. I'm sure those of you are fired up and juiced up about this issue. You're going to be out there voting today and tomorrow. Make sure you get your family and everyone out to the polls if you have not. It's a big issue for the state of Ohio. So, um, you know, we need that victory. We've had a couple of victories lately in the state of Ohio. We got some school choice legislation passed. We got the Ohio income tax flattened in Ohio. For those who don't know, it's, uh, 
2.75% flat for those who are under $100,000. The next phase is to get rid of it. Uh, so we can be like most normal states with no income tax, like a lot of states, shall I say. So anyway, uh, welcome to the program today. This is going to be a little different type of show today because I am fed up, as many of you are, with just the complete and utter disgusting levels of corruption we have going on in our country and those who are willfully ignorant they have a herd of elephants in the living room that they're choosing to ignore that's the most pathetic part of it their hair was on fire when trump was president everything was bad the you know everything was just terrible people were were ready to go into uh, sane asylums now everything seems to be great you know no there's no border chaos there's no inflation uh you know justice department the criminal justice system is fine everything is is terrific uh, yeah whatever if you, if you watch television which which kind of makes america dumber but anyway i'm going to lay out some things today um that i've thought about all week and you know this this latest trump indictment is in my estimation None of this is meant to actually jail him. It is meant to be the ball and chain around his ankle to keep him from running effectively and winning the presidency. It is meant to gum up the works to throw a monkey wrench and to, to just totally beat him up and bruise him up so he can't be effective and nor win the White House because these indictments are so are so stupid they're weak, and I think these people who are bringing these forth, these bringing forth these indictments, like Jack Smith and Fannie Willis, she hasn't brought hers yet. I think it could be another one coming today from Georgia, uh, with Alvin Bragg in New York. But uh, I think Letitia James had a, uh, a civil suit against the Trump Organization. This is something we have never, ever seen in this country. The justice system is targeting one particular individual and it is an orchestrated effort in multiple jurisdictions around the country. And then we have people who are okay with it. There's only two liberals who are speaking out against this, two real liberals, Jonathan Turley and Alan Dershowitz. The rest of the public is whistling through the graveyard. So I'm going to lay out a bit of history, how we got here over the last several years. There are no bigger frauds and phonies in American history than the current Democrat party. And I'm going to show that today as well. And some of the people that I know and that we all know fall into this category as well. Um, so basically we have had from the very beginning, the media, which is the Democrat party media, they have billions of dollars in free opposition research <laughs> that they get from the mainstream press. It started from the very, very beginning before uh, even he was sworn in. We had some uh, riots that took place, which nobody's uh, these the mainstream press wasn't upset with. It started with the election denials on the night of the election. People just acted absolutely stupid. So on election night. Across the country, people didn't want to accept the results. They just thought Hillary won and blah, blah, blah. 
We're going to play a clip of what happened on election night. Take a listen. Everyone is ready to accept the results of election 2016. Thousands of Hispanics, gays, and others take to the streets to protest Donald Trump's election. And on the Internet, it's some Trump supporters lashing out. Overnight, a fourth night of violent protests in Portland, Oregon. Thousands of demonstrators clashing with police. Spraying tear gas to clear the streets. The chaotic scene unfolding as demonstrations were carried out from coast to coast in front of the president-elect's Manhattan Tower to Los Angeles, where an estimated 10,000 people marched through the streets. This is a very multicultural, diverse country. We can't have somebody who stands against that as the head of the government. And parts in between, like Indianapolis, home state of the vice president-elect, where a protest of 500 in front of the state capitol began peacefully but ended with some hauled away in handcuffs. When there is violence, we have to take action. That is our responsibility as a police department. Don't Trump now! Hundreds arrested this weekend nationwide as anti-Trump protesters react to Trump's election and the racism that has accompanied it. The Southern Poverty Law Center saying there have been more than 200 reports of hate-based intimidation and harassment since Election Day on college campuses in Michigan, Massachusetts, New York, and that's not all. At the University of Oklahoma and the University of Pennsylvania, an investigation into a violent racist group chat aimed at African-American students. The FBI brought in to investigate. Penn student Nadia Browning was one of the targets. I wasn't surprised by the hate that was coming my way, but it really hurt because I, in my lifetime I've never experienced anything like this before. Some Trump supporters on campus embarrassed by what's going on. We all come together, regardless of who we voted for, and we make it clear that these things aren't acceptable. Yeah, here in Los Angeles, most of the... Okay, so right off the bat, people who, quote-unquote, uh, <laughs> uh, are part of our democracy, didn't accept the results and decided to totally go ballistic before the man was even sworn in. You notice they said in this video, they call them anti-Trump. So there's there's two groups of people. There's Trump supporters and then there's anti-Trump. There are no Hillary supporters ever blamed for anything or Biden supporters. They're either Trump supporters or anti-Trump. If you look at the news reports, and I went through some articles last month, and I call I saw them called dissenters. They were called, <laughs> um, you know, uh, protesters, but they're never called Hillary. So Hillary supporters riot you know, and such is never they're never called that. This media is such trash. So these people didn't accept the results. I guess you can call them election deniers, I guess. Tore up all sorts of things. Didn't believe the election uh, results were fair because they think we have a popular vote. Some people screamed that Hillary won the popular vote, which does not matter in this country. We don't have a popular vote. People love that to be the case, but it's not the case. Take a take take a real serious civics lesson. So that was number one off the bat riots all over the country from all these nutbag groups. Then let's go forward to we have inauguration day, which was supposed to be, as we were told, what a peaceful uh, transition of power. So inauguration day in D.C., we had more chaos 
Burning cars and smashed windows. A small group of protesters dressed in black, their faces covered, armed with hammers and bricks. Facing off with thousands of officers on site, many in riot gear, confronting them with flashbang grenades and pepper spray. All of a sudden, the police officers started to spray pepper spray and they got our audio technician. They're coming. see us running because they're going to throw more flashbangs. The chaotic scene just blocks outside the secure area of the inauguration and parade route. I personally have anti-establishment slants, but I don't think that this is anything that I want to be a... Before the swearing-in ceremony even began, protesters tried to block checkpoint entrances. During President Trump's speech, several demonstrators were escorted out of the area. Several officers injured during the protest today, and more than 100 people arrested. Once the inaugural parade began, the newly sworn-in president facing thousands of peaceful protesters amongst his supporters. NBC's Stephanie Gosk was with him all day. When Donald Trump took the oath of office, the people here sang, we shall overcome. Resist from day one! Similar demonstrations across the country. Arrest outside Trump Tower, New York City. A human chain across San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. From Phoenix to Houston to Chicago, people protesting the country's new president on his first day in office. Tonight, thousands of protesters remain in downtown D.C., occasionally facing off with police. We have seen many people injured, both protesters and police officers. And tomorrow... So, what you should take away from that video was the chant, uh, resist from day one. And that sets the stage for what we have seen since. Resist from day one. These people have been the resistance... So I'm just getting started. I'm laying out this because I think there's a time where we now have to get this into focus and decide what to do about it. I'm Colleen Amar in for Bob France. You're listening to Always Right Radio. Please stick around. I got more. You don't know me, but I'm your Welcome back to Always Right Radio. I'm Colleen Amar in for Bob France. So. So far, we've laid out the just nutbag behavior that went on on election night, protests around the country, riots for people who just love our, our quote, democracy. And I only use that in jest because people continually say, oh, we're a democracy, we're a democracy. I use it, it. I'm using it in jest because I know we're a republic. But anyway, people who love our democracy went nuts on election night, just didn't like the results. Inauguration Day, they went nuts and tore up Washington, D.C., or at least attempted to. So now we're moving into the presidency. Trump is sworn in. Then you have attacks from our media. Washington Post headline, January 20th, 2017. The campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. Already, Washington Post headline, as soon as he gets sworn in, the campaign to impeach President Trump has been. If this doesn't tell you <laughs> all you need to know about what this what this agenda was from the very beginning, it's 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 the proverbial hammer looking for a nail. It's it's the jail cell looking for a crime. And this is what they've done. So Rashida Tlaib, soon as she got into office, she made her agenda known. 
She hadn't done anything yet. She's a, a congresswoman, is a member of the so-called squad from Michigan. She gets in office, and instantly she decides to tell her constituents what her agenda is in office. Just hours after making history as the first Palestinian-American woman sworn into Congress, Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib is sparking a firestorm. Caught on camera telling a crowd last night what she told her son about the president. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach them all. The president firing back. I thought that was a great dishonor to her and to her family. I thought it was highly disrespectful to the United States of America. Tlaib ignoring reporters today. Yeah, we're trying to talk to your boss. <laughs> but on Twitter, doubling down, writing, I will always speak truth to power. New Speaker Nancy Pelosi at an MSNBC town hall. Generationally, that would not be language I would use. Sure. Uh, but nonetheless, I don't, I don't think we should make a big deal of it. But Tlaib pushing impeachment on day one, even before the Mueller report, prompting a barrage of Republican backlash. How do you work with anybody if this is what they really have planned? Using foul language, they introduce that they just want to impeach the president. And some Democrats warning it could backfire. You cannot accomplish very much of anything unless you have civility. I think those kind of comments do not... Uh, take us in the right direction. One progressive Democrat reintroducing articles of impeachment, a growing flashpoint in a new Congress. Kristen Welker, NBC News. So there you go. <laughs> She's hot off the press. She wants to impeach. This is what we have, folks. More of this conspiracy against Trump to come. I'm Khalid Namari for Bob France. Please, please hang around. I got more. Welcome back to Always White Radio. Again, I am Khalid Namar in for Bob France today, laying out the plot against Trump and how we got here with all of the chaos and corruption and the media onslaught and the legal assaults that some people seem to think uh, there's nothing wrong with. So we, I just played for you a, a timeline of riots on election night, riots on inauguration day. Threats to impeach President Trump by newly elected Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. And New York Times throwing out impeachment soon as he gets in office. The furniture's not even in the office yet, and they're already talking about impeachment. So now after President Trump's elected, you have now this onslaught of intelligence agency leaks and corruption that went on with this spying which is interesting because the FBI has a different definition of spying than you and I do. So James Comey, the former FBI director, uh, didn't like the term spying. He says, when I hear that kind of language used, it's concerning because FBI and the Department of Justice conduct court-ordered electronic surveillance. So Mr. Comey, who oversaw the inquiry until President Trump abruptly fired him in May 2017. Quote, I have never thought of that as spying. So electronic surveillance, as long as it's court ordered, is not spying. These people play with words. It's stunning. I never it's, it's not really spying, you know. Anyway. So this so you have the court order. It's, it's spying. OK. Then you had this Russia collusion thing that was brought up. 
which we know who paid for that. We know that to get FISA warrants to even spy on Trump, was there was some corruption involved in that. They were spying on people in Trump's inner circle. Uh, Carter Page, as an example, was spied upon. We know people lied to Congress. And so this onslaught of Russia collusion went on for a couple of years, culminating in the Mueller report, which triggered the Mueller report, which after two years of investigation, $28 million flying around the world, found nothing. And it was, the Durham report was ignored, which says that the whole Russia collusion investigation should never even happened. So they're constantly trying to get him. So when the Durham report finally comes out, reveals that it was basically a bunch of poppycock, the people who pushed it, like Congressman Adam Schiff, and others in Congress and in the media, there's no consequences. So Tucker Carlson had a a program a few years ago, or actually not a few years ago, actually maybe about a year ago or so, I'm sure. And he questioned why these people who pushed this lie, there's no consequences. Take a listen. It states of treason. The evidence suggests indeed Trump is, has been, a pawn of the Russians. But when you start to see a pattern uh, where he basically spouts Putin's lines, then we have to ask the most unusual and uh, frightening question about our own president. Why this president seems to be putting Russia's interests ahead of our own. Well, Christy, the president's tweet trying to make the case that he's not a Russian asset really just undercuts his own defense. The president's tweet couldn't have been scripted better if it was written by Putin himself. This is nothing short of treasonous because it is a betrayal of the nation. He is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Is there influence, whether witting or unwitting, by the, by the Russians over uh, President Trump? The possibility, the very real possibility, that President Putin holds damaging information over President Trump. Trump's eagerness to sell out America proves the Russians must have something personally, politically, or financially on President Trump. It proves that Trump is committing treason. Think about what you just saw. The last person in that... Now, now I want all the Trump haters, and I know there's some listening. How much of that nonsense was actually proven to be true? You heard all this strong language, treason. You heard collusion, Russia this, he's a pawn, Russian agent. How much of that has been proven to be true? Trump haters, none of it has proven to be true. These people have been proven wrong about everything. They spent millions of dollars and they've come up empty, empty, and they just move on to the next lie. You hear their words. They're on television spotty. Oh, the, the evidence clearly suggested. Well, where's the evidence? What happened to it? Adam Schiff is one of the biggest liars to ever grace the halls of Congress. And that is saying a whole lot. He's closely followed by Chuck Schumer, who these are. I won't use this term. These are very bottom feeding lawyers who will say anything because in the, when they get up and speak, they're talking to a jury to get their serial killer off of, of, of death row. That's what I hear when I hear an Adam Schiff or Chuck Schumer talk. These are the, the, the I'm going to tell you, we had a serial killer in California a few years ago who was found to have murdered about 12 women. They found DNA on pretty much all the bodies. 
His defense lawyer, and this is how these politicians talk, his defense lawyer says, <clears throat> well, yes, um, it doesn't mean he, yeah, they found DNA on, on these women. That doesn't mean he killed them. It just means he had sex with them prior to him dying, prior to them dying. <laughs> so I said, well, wait a minute. This is what a rational mind would say. So either this guy is just extraordinarily good at sex or he's a serial killer. There's only two options here. So you have these people who will say anything and none of it, none of it has been proven true. But still, you have these drunk, deranged Trump haters who just move on to the next lie. So now they just make up stuff. They make up things. So the criminal justice system seems to work fine as long as it's going after somebody you don't like. It's great. When your drug dealing cousin gets locked up, it's the worst system in the world. But when it's going after somebody you don't like, oh, my God, tear the whole thing down. There are no bigger frauds I have ever seen in my lifetime than these people we have now in power. Corrupt, dishonest, low life. That's what they are. This has been from the very beginning, people who claim they love this country and they love our system and the process, the, 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 the republic and the democracy and the blah, 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 blah. But they hate it when it doesn't work right because they tear up stuff when it doesn't work right. And I'm talking about targeting people with the red tape and the power of the Justice Department. These people, as the IRS whistleblower said last week, they will crush you. This government will crush you. And that's what they're doing They're And I'm going to talk about next hour how they're going after the lawyers, the Trump lawyers. And they're threatening anybody not to defend him so much for the Sixth Amendment right to counsel. But enough of my babbling. We got we got some callers on the line. Uh, I'm a little fed up. I don't want to check the studio. We got Kathy from Avon Lake um, on line one. Kathy, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm 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 a little hot this morning, but welcome to Always I Right know, Radio. I hear you. And I, I, can I, I just want to add something to, to bring it from the Donald Trump in 2016. I was on the uh, Republican Cuyahoga County Committee, and my name was on the ballot. And I, and that's when Trump I was running against Kasich, who, by the way, took $650,000 from Soros and corrupted Ohio. Mm. And that's what I'm kind of getting to go to tomorrow's deal they brought in a computer a dnc complete database and i want i witnessed this as god is my witness and i am god's witness and jesus is my witness i want that thing to go through tomorrow but i'm still afraid and i would like to challenge the current secretary of state frank larose if that doesn't pass tomorrow then this this embedded computer is still in Ohio. They take it to the lower into interest, lower income group polls in the big cities, mm-hmm. Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Toledo. And it is all, it, you not, you cannot take a single party. It's a federal offense to embed a computer in a, an election that has only one <clears throat> party in it okay okay and that's what they've done in ohio and that's how they've gotten these these rhinos that are pushing toward abortion and everything else and the democrats that go to vote don't understand how they have twisted this this thing tomorrow and all started to get 
Kasich in in 2016 in the primary and instead of Trump. So so I'm going to be hopefully interviewing Frank LaRose on my show soon. I don't have anything scheduled yet. Uh, I'm on Sunday nights right here on this station, Rising Tides, 9-11. I'll definitely make it known when I get the interview um, and maybe you can call in and challenge him. I that, would and ask him a question. And, uh, I'll do that. I, I don't want to hold you up. I know you're mm-hmm. you're busy, but I have a video, uh, a YouTube video, at Kathy Matta, and it's a letter to my president. And it mm-hmm. explains the whole. And Donald Trump has seen this <clears throat> this uh, thing. Okay. And I can. I've already confronted Larose with it before. And I want if they win this tomorrow, it's only because that in computer is still embedded to, uh, to get everybody okay. who is Republican against Trump. All right. Thank you. Uh, all right, take care. I will call in. All right, please. Thank you. All right, next we have uh, Mike uh, from Cleveland. How are you, Mike? How you doing? I'll just call in regards to Donald Trump. Yes, sir. He's innocent until proven guilty, and he will be judged by a jury of his peers. So by this time next year, we're going to find out whether or not a jury of his peers is he's innocent or he'll be acquitted. And all this talk and all this spin about the past, is going to be put to rest. And the evidence that is being presented, I'm just an ordinary person, but this evidence they're presenting about what he has done, it is pretty huge. And I, these people that's prosecuting him are no dummies. So they know that the defense is going to come in there and try to poke holes in everything that is said and done. And people are going to decide whether or not they want a convicted felon to be the president or one okay the well let me ask My you this these, these people may not be dummies but but they're corrupt and if you've been following this okay. like most people they're corrupt they're corrupt they're incestuous and if you know anything about what has happened over the last couple of years i've been laying out things for you for the past hour there's tons of evidence out there that these people have been out to get him from day one these people are making up the crimes for instance in new york city the Federal Election Commission has passed on that Stormy Daniels nonsense twice. They said it's not a crime, but you have a local DA who's taken up the case. Why? Because they're corrupt. That's the point. They're locking people so up. They're locking people. Wait a minute. Listen okay, listen. I, I, I did listen to you. They're locking people up who are not in the circle. If you want to lock up people like Paul Manafort, Hunter Biden did twice as bad as him along the same lines, but he's not going to be locked up or even charged for fair violations. This is corruption. That's all it is. I'll let you finish. Okay. You did not listen to me. I said he will be judged by a jury. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that. And, 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 and what you're talking about is the process. We shouldn't even be here is my point. We know, we, 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 no so, surprise that happens in court. You're judged by your peers. We, we know that. We know this. Pardon me? Yes, he will be judged by a jury of his peers, and everything will be put to rest. Okay. Just like issue one, tomorrow yes. everybody's going to vote on it, okay. and we're going to decide what is going to be done. Okay. So the people will decide on Trump's fate. No kidding. Not Congress, not the Senate, nobody else. Okay. We'll have his chance in court, and by this time next year, we'll have a conversation, and then we'll okay. talk about what the jury of his peers says, yes. All right. not what you and I say. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I learned absolutely nothing from that call. But anyway, thanks for calling. Uh, go ahead, Todd. This is Todd from South Euclid. 
I don't have a law degree. I'm asking you if you have a law degree. No. Okay, so the 71 indictments against Trump, you have just thrown them out. He didn't have documents at Mar-a-Lago. He didn't try to go against the Constitution and stage a coup. This is what you're saying. None of this happened. In what world do you live? Okay, I'm going to tell you the world I live in. I'm glad you called. First of all, having a law degree does not mean one cannot understand the law. There are inmates who have gotten themselves out of jail when some corrupt, incompetent lawyer has put them in jail. So that's number one. Number two, I can read and I follow this like any rational person, and I can tell you this constitutional stuff you're talking about is non-existent. What is it in the Constitution about documents, sir? Tell me what violation of the Constitution that has Trump done. I'll give you the floor. Okay, how about the Espionage Act? That's not in the Constitution, but the fact that he had documents that he Has took from the White House and took to Mar-a-Lago that were secret. Any, we, we just jailed two Chinese Americans for selling secrets to the Chinese. They're already in jail. Trump has stole a lot more from the White House. And the trial won't be coming up okay. for months. Sir, you, okay? you, you watch a lot of MSNBC, I can tell. Because first of all, the Espionage Act has nothing has nothing to do with the uh, Presidential Records Act. If that's the case, every single president who's taken documents from the White House would be in jail. And, and, and Chinese people selling secrets has nothing to do with the executive branch and the president taking documents from the White House when they all have done it. Obama has done it. Biden has done it and Biden had records he wasn't even supposed to have because he was he wasn't president he had Obama's records so the uh, what about is if you're saying no this here, isn't what about is you you're, you're making a connection to something that has that has no basis in fact or has nothing to do with what you're talking about the so, presidential records act governs what the no. presidents can take from the White House the espionage act is crap it's one of the worst statutes ever created and the last person you no know, it's woke if you don't agree with it, it's woke. No, it's not woke. It's ridiculous. How many people have been charged under the Espionage Act over the last 50 years? Can you tell me? Yeah, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg were executed okay. as, a, as, as spies. Okay? okay, spies. Spies. Tell me what presidents have been charged with the espionage violations. Wait a second. No, I'm asking no. you a question. The how many law. presidents? How many presidents? How many presidents? Above the how law? many pre- how many presidents have been charged with espionage? We're taking documents. None have done what Donald Trump. Okay, has done. so nobody has taken documents. Not top secret. Oh, documents. how do you know? And it, how why? do you know? How do you know? Because as soon as the uh, FBI found out about them, they were turned over. Okay, you you didn't answer my question. How do you know I, what presidents have taken? They took top secret, but they didn't hold on. Okay, to how how do you know? How do you why? know, sir? How do you know? He had his lawyers lie if he yeah, had any remaining documents. So I see you're not asking. You're not answering my question, sir. How do you know what presidents have taken? Obama took three years. For, okay, thank you, let, thank you, thank you, thank you, Todd. You just admitted. Please, thank you for calling. This is somebody whose brain is on MSNBC. He has no idea what presidents have taken. And since he brought that up, I'm going to talk about it on the other side. I am hot. I need some water to cool down. Thank you, Todd, for calling. All right. Welcome back to Always Right Radio. That was fun, actually. I'm glad. I'm glad Todd called. I like people like him. Um, Just like Ronald Reagan said, it's not that our 
liberal friends are stupid. They just know so much that isn't so. Uh, one of my favorite Ronald Reagan lines. Um, but thank you, Todd. I'm glad you called. <clears throat> so this this whole thing about the uh, the doc- documents, this is what people understand. The president of the United States is the executive branch. He is the executive branch. There are some things that the presidents are allowed to take from the White House. There's sometimes they fight about it, but there's no criminal penalty in the Presidential Records Act. They had to wrap it around something. And as they do, this Justice Department pulls something out of their arse. And they go, oh, well, let's just wrap it in the Espionage Act. Because if you leave that Espionage Act nonsense out, they have no criminal penalty. They don't. So just like lawyers do when they work for the government, they have the ability to be creative. So they're very creative in wrapping this nonsense around the Espionage Act, which is absolutely insane. And Obama's documents, the National Archives issue a letter Saying that, saying that they had all of Obama's documents, which was not true because we know it's not true because they showed up at Biden's house. Biden had some of Obama's documents. Now, the vice president has no authority in the executive branch, according to our Constitution, Todd. So the vice president has to see these documents in, in a skiff. He has to view them in a secure location. So how did he get them out of a secure location? Todd, he stole them. He took them, which is a crime. And anyway, we'll be back on the other side. Please stick around. I got more on the other side. I'm Colleen Lamar, InfoBob France. See you on the other side. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. Or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Welcome back. I'm Khalid Namar to the second hour. I'm in for Bob France. Having fun today. Laying out the plot against Trump. And uh had some interesting calls. Thank thanks to the people who have called in, but uh I am always perplexed at people who never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity in other words they never see the the larger the larger point talking about uh well you know trump will be judged by a jury of his peers oh oh, oh, yeah okay it's like putting a dog on trial and the entire jury is made up of cats he's not going to get a fair trial in new york it's insane to say, oh, you're going to try to jury his peers. Yeah, okay. We have a bunch of lawyers in the, in the Justice Department. They all have relationships. It's an incestuous, corrupt cabal of government-funded assassins. They have unlimited resources, 
And as that, again, that IRS whistleblower said, they will crush you. And people don't have a problem with it because it's someone that they don't like. And when I speak to kids and young people about civics and the Constitution, I always tell them, you better pay attention to what happens to people you don't like. Because pretty soon it's going to be someone that you do like. To protect someone else's rights is to protect your own. And it takes a certain kind of person who understands what this Republican system is supposed to be about to stand up for people that they don't like and protect their rights because you're next. And these people who watch television, you can you can tell what I call the MSNBC brain. People who have no basis of knowledge of their own, they, they sit in front of the TV and they open their brains wide and they allow all kinds of gobbledygook to be poured inside of it. And they think they're smart. You have people on television who are paid millions of dollars. They're pretty faces, but they're sharp as bowling balls. And people sitting there, I'm sorry, I don't care who has a law degree. I, I have a lot of close friends who are excellent lawyers, but they have wisdom also. A law degree or any degree without wisdom makes you a fool. And I, I have some friends who are wise, who, who happen to be lawyers, who I adore. And I know they're wise, but they're also smart lawyers. So do you have a law degree? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, I'll tell you what, what a lawyer said. Uh, and he, it, this is one we all know. His name is George Conway, husband of Kellyanne Conway. He tweeted this and I screenshotted this because I couldn't believe this actually came from his, his brain. He, he tweeted, well, he was talking about Trump. And he says, well, that other guy, uh, he's talking about, you know, President Trump. He says he deserves the presumption of innocence, but not the benefit of the doubt. And I said, wait a minute. Isn't that the same thing? Isn't the presumption of innocence, the benefit of the doubt, the same thing? But he, he has a law degree. So I guess that makes that a wise comment, huh? These people are just, they're stunning to me. Um, that this is allowed to go on. So here's here's what you have now. You have the criminalization of political discourse. You have people that are, they're going to take something and they're going to wrap it in some criminal statute. They're going to throw it in front of the court and, and you have to defend it. Even though it's wrapped in dog poop. So now, so here's the thing. The Democrats have never saw an election that they didn't protest over the last 20 years. There are facts to support this. They have never accepted the results that over the last 20 years, which didn't go their way. Here's evidence. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice president? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in the office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect 
as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> and the Russian attempt to, ha to have the election, and frankly, the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover. But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigan stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference. And now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with, so with Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president. So, of course, he's obsessed with me. And... I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last presidential election. If Al Gore won that election, I think he won it anyway. Actually, I think <laughs> I carried Florida. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a presidency. If all the votes were counted in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be backing off. I come from Florida where you and others participated in what I call the United States coup d'etat. There's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct, <laughs> deliberate the fraud, chair, and an attempt the to chair must remind It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. Okay, <clears throat> you, you get the picture. They have never saw an election that they didn't want to challenge. Um, here's further proof. Democrats challenged Ohio electoral votes in 2005. Alleged widespread, quote, irregularities on Election Day, a group of Democrats in Congress objected Thursday to the counting of Ohio's 20 electoral votes, delaying the official certification of the 2004 presidential election results. So, isn't that, I guess, interfering with an, an official proceeding? I think we've, we've, we've discovered that that's a crime now, right? Interfering with, a, with an official proceeding, uh, attacking our, trying to overturn an election. I think that's a crime now. Like I said earlier, there are no bigger frauds and phonies than we have in our current leadership. And these sink offense 
who act as though none of this stuff has ever happened. This is 20 years of history you just heard. 20 years. John Lewis, God rest his soul. He was in the Civil Rights Movement. He was on the Edmund Pettus Bridge uh, marching to Selma, and he was attacked, and that's how he rolled his uh, fame to Congress. Completely ineffective as a congressman. Didn't accomplish anything. One of the pettiest men to ever serve in Congress. He didn't go to George Bush's inauguration because he didn't think that he was legitimate. He didn't go to Trump's inauguration because guess why? He didn't think he was legitimate either. He was a very petty man. 22 other Democrats did not go to the inauguration. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Who himself talked about the dangers of mail-in ballots. Now he doesn't think, oh, he's not legitimate. Oh, no, they, you know, what is this thing about? Nobody's legitimate except Democrat presidents. The, and the trash media came up with this new term, election denier, just what, like a year ago? Now all of a sudden we have a term for it. They've been doing it for 20 years. You never had a term for it. Now all of a sudden you come up with this election deny term. And then they use these words like coup insurrection these people either are ignorant or they're just overly dramatic january 6th was a riot it was an unfortunate riot it was stupid but guess what it wasn't an insurrection what were they armed with cell phones insurrection is waging war against the united states it isn't breaking a window and 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 knocking over some fences But this is what they do. They're over the top, overly dramatic, corrupt drama queens. Coup d'etat. I mean, we, we have never seen a coup in this country. They have them in Africa all the time. We need to know what a coup actually is. And, and, and back to this whole thing of a law degree. Let me tell you what people with law degrees say, because I'm really am irritated at that moronic point. You had a sitting congresswoman, crazy Maisie Hirono. Who said, well, we, we didn't know what the founders were thinking when they, when they wrote the Second Amendment or, you know, constitutional. It's like she has a law degree and she's never heard of the Federalist Papers. She's never heard of Madison's notes. She's never heard of the ratification debate. She doesn't know anything about what people were thinking when they wrote the Constitution. She, she graduated from law school. There was a lawyer who was a talk show host from Illinois. His name was Warren Ballantyne. He actually graduated from Ohio Northern Law School, and he said the Dred Scott decision was never overturned. So don't tell me about law degrees. Anyway, I'm still going. I got more. I'm Khalid Namar. I'm in for my brother Bob France. Hopefully you'll hang with me a little bit longer. Stick around. Welcome back to Always Right Radio. I'm Khalid Namar. Man, I love Don Henley. That's like my favorite eagle. Thanks for that, Seth. <laughs> Man, time flies when you're having such a good time. There's there's so much going on. So much going on. I, and I, I wasn't going to talk about this, and, I, and I'm not. 
But there was an, a very, uh, I'm only going to talk about it for a particular reason. You see this video floating around social media and all the news now. There's a very ugly brawl fight down in Alabama, and it happened to be between blacks and whites. There was, it started out with these, it's a security guard, actually, who was jumped on by five probably drunk idiots, and they started to jump on him. It did like five of them. They attacked him uh, for telling them to move their boat or something like that. And then other people came to his aid who happened to be black, and they jumped on him. Uh, and then they started beating people up, and then it just got so ugly and out of hand. This video is pretty ugly to see. I saw one guy hit an older lady in the head with a chair. It looked like just something out of WWE. It's pretty ugly. And the only reason why I'm talking about it is because there are people who are cheering this because they have had their race war fetish, uh, you know, teased a little bit. They love to see this. And the media certainly has jumped all over this. I looked this morning and it's been covered by a lot of the mainstream uh, news organizations who definitely will cover this more than they will cover Hunter Biden. They jump all over this stuff. So I think this will be the biggest story of the week because it has all the elements that the media loves violence and race. So you're, you're going to see it. All the it's, it's going to lead for the next several days. It's going to be used by many people on many sides. It's that's the only reason I'm talking about it is just to focus on the, on the media. And that's why I wanted that Don Henley, uh, dirty laundry song <laughs> because <laughs> Uh, that that I love that record came out about 25 years ago and it is more true now than it was when it came out you know it's brilliant so that's why I brought that up and, and and I won't be talking about it because to me it's not worth talking it was an ugly incident it's a lot of a lot of stupid people in our society um, and I don't mind the people that came to the aid of the security guard because he was being jumped on by five people and it really just got out of hand but I'm speaking of the coverage that it's going to get. That's that's my main issue. So in anyway, we have this issue in Florida. And and again, I, I go back to this media. The media loves to attack, you know, conservatives, Republicans. So every few years there is a Republican boogeyman who they go after. DeSantis is the boogeyman. Um, and now they go after the Florida curriculum curriculum constantly because all these people who you know claim they're so concerned about history it's funny they're never they never are upset about reading and math scores which are atrocious but they love to take this cudgel of being uh history buffs to talk about what's going on in florida but they care nothing about what's going on in their own states with their test scores and math scores and and i've been a reading tutor i volunteer my time uh teaching kids to read fourth fifth sixth graders right here in the inner city when a lot of people don't. So I, I can speak on this issue. Um, this is something that people love to, uh, to, to latch onto because it's smearing Ron DeSantis. And the AP curriculum that he decided not to use in Florida because it had things like queer theory and things like that, that was the first outrage. And then they take a little passage out of their new curriculum, one little passage, and it becomes a national story. And I'm going to be reading some of that for you next segment. Uh, 
And just to show you the, the flat out stupidity and hypocrisy of many people. Anyway, I'm Khalid Namar. And for Bar France, we'll be right back on the other side. of unreason always right radio with bob france and the answer all right welcome back to always right radio i'm khalid namar we're winding down a little bit here i, I do want to dig deeper into this slavery thing in florida this curriculum because again what you have is some republican politicians when you put a microphone in front of their faces what you will never hear from any of these politicians on either side is, well, I don't know enough about that issue, so I won't comment. <laughs> you will hear, you will never hear that. You put a microphone in front of their face, they feel they have to talk, even though they know nothing about the issue. And so, yeah, people like Byron Donalds, who I, who I really like, Tim Scott, who I really like, make comments about something they really weren't clear on. And this, this, a hundred and I think ninety page curriculum from the Florida Black Studies, uh, or shall I say, Florida Board of, State Board of Education curriculum. One little passage outraged so many people to where you have boycotts now of Florida by Black organizations because again, this is what the media does. They just like train seals. People react to little bits of information because they're looking for, they're looking for a reason to be outraged. So here's an article from CNN. College Board responds to comparisons between its AP course and Florida's black history curriculum. So this is, excuse me, this is from some CNN. The College Board said Thursday, it resolutely disagrees with any notion that enslavement was beneficial for African Americans. A statement coming from some people compared the contents of its advanced placement course on African-American studies with Florida's recently approved black history curriculum. We quote, we resolutely disagree with the notion that enslavement was in any way a beneficial, productive or useful experience for African-Americans. The College Board told CNN on Thursday, unequivocally, slavery was an atrocity that cannot be justified, justified by examples of African-Americans agency and resistance during their enslavement. The board comments come after Jeremy Redfern, press secretary for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, tweeted on Wednesday what appears to be a screenshot of a portion of College Board AP's African-American Studies course framework that refers to slavery. The document in part says students should know enslaved people learn trades that they use once free to provide for themselves and others. So I want you to keep that in mind. All right. In his tweet, Redfern, Redfern wrote, Quote, remember when Florida wouldn't allow the AP African-American studies course because it focused too much on CRT and not enough on history and the White House lost its mind? Well, here's one of the standards considered essential knowledge. Black history education has been the focus of an ongoing debate in Florida. Last week, the Florida Board of Education approved a new set of standards of how black history should be taught in the state's public schools. Some of the language in Florida's new rules sparked criticism from education and civil rights advocates, including a requirement as listed on the Florida Department of Education website for middle school teachers to include, quote, how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal for their personal benefit. 
The screenshot posted by Redfern appears to be from a document on the College Board's website detailing the African-American Studies course framework for the 2023-24 school year. The document says students should learn about the range and variety of specialized roles that slave enslaved people had. Quote, in addition to agricultural work, enslaved people learned specialized trades and worked as painters, carpenters, tailors, musicians, and healers in the North and South. Once free, African-Americans used these skills to provide for themselves and others, the course framework states. The College Board told CNN it was aware that some had suggested the course requirements detailed in its AP African-American Studies course framework aligned with some of the Florida's recently approved black history standards. So what you see here, in my estimation, is a distinction without much of a difference. Okay, so, quote, unit two of the current framework concludes a discussion about how the skills of enslaved people brought with them that enslavers exploited as well as other skills developed in America that were valuable to their to their enslavers. The board said enslaved Africans and their descendants used those skills to survive, build communities and create culture in resistance to their oppression. The College Board said its AP African-American Studies course will offer a holistic introduction to the history, literature and arts of black people in the United States. Blah, blah, blah. OK. So what it is now, they realize that the passage that they were that the media released and that one little passage out of well over 150 pages of curriculum outraged a lot of trained seals it's not much different <laughs> from the from the ap course which they criticized florida for not using it's really not much of a difference at all it's just something as bonnie Raitt said years ago something to talk about so let me give you a little bit of context from someone who knows a little bit about slavery his name is booker t washington he was born a slave he became, and full disclosure, I attended Tuskegee University, which he founded. Um, Booker T. Washington became a philanthropist, an educator, and one of the wisest men and greatest thinkers this country's produced, in my opinion. He has more wisdom in his toenail than any of those people in Florida and any of those academics at Harvard who you know. Right? So here's something, and, and this is how much time we got. How much time I got? Um, Okay, good, good. Got a little time here. We're gonna we're gonna dig in a little history here because these people are not thinking people. They are not, and and what they do is they're manipulators. So they use this little passage that they leaked out to the to to their sink offense to attack DeSantis because this is all about him. These people are not wise individuals. They don't know a lot about what they profess to know about. So let me just tell you, this is from Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery. And I just finished one of his other books, which I've read uh, called Building Character, which I've read heavily from on my show on Sunday nights, which you all should check out, Rising Tides, Sunday night here on this network. So Booker T. Washington says, I pity from the bottom of my heart any nation or body of people that is so unfortunate as to get entangled in the net of slavery. I have long since ceased to cherish any spirit of bitterness against the Southern white people on account of enslavement of my race. No one section of our country was wholly responsible for its introduction. And besides, it was recognized and protected for years by the general government. Having once got its tentacles fastened to the economic and social life of the Republic, 
it was so it was no easy matter for the country to relieve itself of the institution. Then when we rid ourselves of prejudice or racial feeling and look facts in the face, we must acknowledge that notwithstanding the cruelty and moral wrong of slavery, the 10 million Negroes inhabiting this country who themselves or whose ancestors went through the school of American slavery are, are in a no stronger and more hopeful condition materially, intellectually, morally, and religiously than is true of an equal number of black people in any other portion of the globe. This is so to such an extent that Negroes in this country who themselves or whose forefathers went through the school of slavery are constantly returning to Africa as missionaries to enlighten those who remained in the fatherland. This, I say, not to justify slavery. On the other hand, I condemn it as an institution. And we all know that in America, it was established for selfish and financial reasons and not from a missionary motive, but to call attention to a fact and to show how providence so often uses men and institutions to accomplish a purpose. When people ask me in these days how in the midst of what sometimes seems hopelessly discouraging conditions, I have such faith in the future of my race in this country. I remind them of the wilderness through which, through which and out of which a good providence has already led us. Booker T. Washington of From Slavery. So you know what that's called, ladies and gentlemen? That's called walking and chewing gum at the same time. He condemned the institution of it, as you heard there several times. But he's understanding there's a much deeper uh, lesson that is learned through this institution. And there's a higher purpose that can be gleaned from it. So he talked about materially, intellectually, and the things that were gained by black people who, who, who survived, who survived slavery. But he's also at the same time realizing and acknowledging the evil of the institution. You ever hear that phrase that people use? That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Isn't that sort of a, a way of looking at it and, and how he looks at it? Again, it's called nuance. It's people who can walk and chew gum at the same time. You need wisdom to do that. And a lot of the people who you stare at on television, who feed you horse pookie, is that a word? Can I use horse pookie on the air? Um, <laughs> these people have no wisdom at all. They're, they're, they're intellectual. They're intellectually vapid. They're educated fools. Some of these people have never left school. Cornell West is running for president. He has never left school. He's 70 years old. He's been in school his entire adult life. He's never swept a floor. He's never flipped a hamburger. Now, Booker T. Washington, who founded a university, who understood something that these educators don't know, that when you educate people, and he wanted to educate black people and lift us up, he talked about in his book, Building Character, you will come here, you're going to get a, an industrial education, a mechanical education, an agricultural education. 
you will get a moral education and a religious education because you realized how character was important to the individual. He said, we can train your head and your hands with skill, but none of that matters if you do not have character and a pure heart and an honest heart. He talked about the character of the individual, how to build communities. He talked about training the mind. Where do you hear that now? Training the mind, building the character, then adding the skill to make a truly educated person. So what we have now, we don't have people who've trained their minds. We have weak, victim-minded people. And when people like me talk about this, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, of a space alien. When this is how the people in our history spoke all the time. You can put their pictures up on your wall. You can celebrate them doing the ridiculous, quote-unquote, Black History Month, but you know nothing about them. You don't know anything about what Frederick Douglass thought, how he didn't want to be pitied. He said, give the Negro equal opportunity and leave them alone. He said, do nothing with us. Your meddling is harming us. These people are, have nothing in common with our great thinkers, and they're educating your kids. They're screwing up your kids. So I do my best. I speak in front of kids quite often, and I talk to them about all sorts of things, history, civics, uh, obeying the law. I volunteered recently with Junior Achievement. I've spoken to kids at middle schools about career choices and things like that, uh, knowing that they don't have to go to college, trying to find their way. I love talking to these young people because I know that they won't hear often from people like me who have a little bit different thing. I know what they're going to hear. But it's important that, and I have talked about character to these kids. I have talked about training their minds. Uh, Frederick, uh, not Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington said he told his students in a period of right after slavery, pretty much during Reconstruction, he said, you go out in the world, you treat people with respect, be they black, be they white. And the true test of your education is how you treat people who are not as fortunate as you. He didn't teach anger or victimization. He wanted to train people's minds to produce, go out and be productive and build their communities. He talked about people who were just engaged in book learning, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't build anything. Sounds familiar? This is, this is the people whose words I stand on because these people actually did something. And they improve the lives of black people during a very difficult time. Very difficult time. We are living in relative paradise compared to the period he was living in. Relative paradise. So when I hear these people with their silly outrages, it just boggles my mind. We are living in a time that is, in many ways, there's a lot of unfortunate things. Kids are raised up with social media. It's, it's, it's lowered their intellect. I thank God all I had was a stand-up Donkey Kong to worry about and Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> that was nothing compared to what these kids now, I understand that. I didn't have a cell phone, of course, growing up in the 80s. 
And I'm so happy I didn't uh, because we had our own distractions. But these kids now have so much, so many distractions and it's screwing them up, not to mention the adults that are screwing them up. So anyway, we'll be back. I'm Khalid Namar. I've been a little fired up today and I'm glad I have a chance to express myself. I'll be back on the other side with the final segment for in for Bob France. Khalid Namar, Always Right Radio. Please hang with me. One more segment. Then you look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Sitting on a dock of the bay Wasting time Welcome back to Always Right Radio And this is the final segment of this hour This song is so great I did When I was in Orlando a couple months ago I was in a bar and I did this in karaoke with a guy And this is the greatest song about unemployment ever made, you know? <laughs> and it's true. You know what the song? He's sitting there. He, it's, it, true story. He sat there watching the ship roll in. And that's how he wrote the song. He had nothing to do. It's a great, great song. <laughs> he didn't have a job. <laughs> so anyway, welcome back to Always Right Radio. I'm Khalid Namar. And thank you for being with me today. I am like in two hour mode because of my show, which is on Sunday nights called rising tides. I'm here for another hour. So good. I'm having a ball. And I was talking to you about, you know, book T Washington and some of his thinking, which it's totally in contrast to the nonsense that, uh, many of the people are being told today when it, when it comes to black history, uh, people who can't walk and chew gum at the same time. So at any rate, uh, we got a couple of minutes here in this segment. I'm going to take a call. Dave from Cleveland. How are you, Dave? Good. Hi, Cleve. Um, yeah, I just want to add to from that book you were talking about, Up, Up from Slavery. Yes. And one of the, one of the quotes, um, uh, Booker T. Washington, he had an association, and he told the association, they were blacks, that in order to uh, get faster progress, we, had, we should assimilate with the Caucasians. Well, a lot of them didn't like that. They wanted to break away and just have their own black caucuses. But he ended up, you know, he ended up being going to the White House and all kinds of things because he had a different attitude than these people that want to segregate, you know. And then the other comment I want to make is when you're talking about Frederick Douglass, and you were mentioning how they tried to uh, kind of label him as a colored person, and he didn't like that. And one of the comments he said, I, I can't ever find the quote, but he said something about the only real individual is a is the um, the the mind uh, the, the the minority of the individual personal individual? In other words, everyone's their own really minority, you know. And that's what he was kind of saying. And I just thought, what your thoughts are on those? Well, thank thank you, Dave. So, with, with regard to Booker T, he had a lot of different groups. His 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 goal was to build obviously black institutions and black people. He had the Negro Business League, which is highly successful. He was invited to the White House by Teddy Roosevelt, but it received a lot of backlash to the point where even though Teddy stood on his principle and says that I'll lose every political friend I have, then to basically bow to this pressure. He never went back to the White House after that, but there was people who did not like it, of course. But he was accepted in a lot of private sector circles. He worked with members of the Jewish community, particularly Judith Rosenwald, who was one of the founders of Sears Roebuck. And not only was he a board member of Tuskegee, but he invested money along with people in the black community and some of his Jewish wealthy friends. They started 4,000 black schools 
or children for uh, schools for black children in the South and throughout the country, 4,000 of these schools, they were called Rosenwald schools. And this was a partnership between Julius Rosenwald, who did a great amount of things for the black community. In addition to, of course, Jewish causes, of course, this was a great partnership because Booker T. Washington has such amazing respect from people. And this is the type of, of accomplishments that he did in his life. I'm amazed at what this man was able to do. So I've delved into everything that he's ever done and, and written. But uh, thank you for the call, Dave. And we got more. I'm going to be here for the next uh, next hour. And we're going to be covering some more topics here. So it's been fun. It's been a little, a little fiery at times, but I love it. I'm doing Bob justice, I hope, sitting in this chair for Always Right Radio. I'm Khalid Namar. And uh, hang around with me. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz. On AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the final hour of Always Right Radio. I'm Khalid Namar. I've been in for Bar France, and I am having a blast. Uh, I did my show, actually my show aired last night on this network, um, Rising Tides. It'll be on every Sunday night, 9 o'clock, so please check it out. So my show was on last night. I'm here today. I'm on, on the radio more than Elvis and the Beatles this week, so it's good. I'm feeling good. Thank you for joining me. Um, this, this topic is so, I'm so passionate about it because I, I, I just understand how this stuff works, and I'm going to maybe just talk a little bit more about it before I get on some other topics uh, because this is so important. Uh, and I was talking about Booker T. Washington's perspectives, which I will take over any of these professors. I, just a little bit more. He has a little more credibility given the fact that he was born into slavery and uh, actually built one of the greatest institutions in this country uh, and, and improved the lives of people. I, I'll, I'll give him a little more credit over some of these, these, uh, people and so he said something really interesting in his book again up from slavery and this contradicts a lot of what these people who are outraged about this uh, curriculum in florida which by the way was written by a black man ron DeSantis did not write it it was written by a well-renowned uh 
black scholar, Dr. Allen, I think his name was Ron Allen, he wrote the curriculum. But it's now, it's, it's, it's laid at the feet of DeSantis. So it's not crazy. It's not way off kilter. Because he, he, here, is, here is what Booker T said, something very interesting here. And I almost, when I read this, I kind of jumped out of my chair a little bit. He says, when freedom came, the slaves were almost as well fitted to begin life anew as the master, except in the matter of book learning and ownership of property. The slave owner and his sons had mastered no special industry. They unconsciously had imbibed, and this is a word they don't use anymore, but they had constantly had imbibed the feeling that manual labor was not the proper thing for them. On the other hand, the slaves in many cases had mastered some handicraft, and none were ashamed and few were unwilling to labor. And... What would he think about this 14th Amendment case, which I'm going to be debating uh, an ACLU gentleman at. I did. I debated him last year on the Dobbs decision, which was fun. <clears throat> I'm going to be going back to Central State. For those of you who don't know, it's in Wilberforce, Ohio. It's a black college in Wilberforce, Ohio. And what would Booker T say about this? Well, he talked about merit in this book up from slavery. He says, my experience is that there is something in human nature which always makes an individual recognize and reward merit, no matter under what color of skin merit is found. And I think this is what he he taught, well, I know he taught his students about going out in the world and providing something that people needed. He said the individual who can do something that the world wants done will, in the end, make his way regardless of his race. And he actually, again, he lived these things. He taught industrial education. The students were building the buildings at Tuskegee University. The students were. They were making bricks, and he figured out the process to make bricks. He taught it to the students, and they were selling those bricks throughout the town surrounding them. Very difficult work to do but he wanted to uh, to produce students who could go out and build their communities who could actually uh, make life better for themselves and others and he talked to them about helping other people going out into the world and providing something that people need and the character issue and the training of the mind was important to him because he talked about weeding out people who were weak of morals and weak in the mind. And when I hear this this from him, it, it, it gives me goosebumps because this was someone who actually got it. How did we get dumber over the last 80 years, 100 years? We are. Our educators, many of them, and there's some great ones out here. I had some great teachers in high school. I know some pretty sharp professors. One of them locally, Rania Seeley. Hi, Rania, if you're listening. At Tri C, there are some terrific educators out here, but then there are lots of fools. And this is where we are. We have kids we are producing to hate the country, who can't feed themselves. We're teaching them things like art history and gender studies, and then we're upset that they can't get a job. They're upset that they can't get a job. So you have to go 
work at Starbucks and you have forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt, and now you want to vote for vote for Bernie Sanders. This is this is this is incredible to me, and the study of wisdom is what I always tell young people. Make sure you have to study wisdom, learn your craft, your 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 trade, whatever you want, but you have to couple that with wisdom, no matter what you're doing. And so, I am jumping headfirst into these things because I want to get more time in front of young people. I want to teach young people to combat some of the nonsense that they're hearing, which I know, which is why I drove to Central State last year to talk to those kids. They were law students, pre-law students. And it was such a joy to have young people come up to me afterwards and tell me some of the words that I said that made an impact on them. And I told my friend Dan Messina, who went with me, I said, this is why I came. This is why I made this drive just for, for that alone. And so I'll be going back to Central State to debate the 14th Amendment with this uh, American Criminal Liars Union. I'm sorry, American Civil Liberties Union uh, individual. Um, <laughs> that, that slipped. I'm sorry, that slipped. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. But Booker T. Washington is, uh, as you know, someone that I'm just uh, I adore. And when I went to Tuskegee, University, I didn't understand the concept behind the school, and 30-something years later, I understand it now. One thing I do understand is why the girls' dorms were 150 yards away from the boys' dorms. Now I get that, too. That was <laughs> that, that I understand. <laughs> so but anyway, moving on, um, a few plugs. Peter Kersenow will be in the seat tomorrow, and you think I'm fired up. Peter Kersenow makes me look like a monk, so he gets he, he gets fired up. Pete is like he could go out there and still play linebacker. I, I bumped up against his arm one time, and I felt like I hit my hand on a, on a barbell. This dude is in his like almost seventy years old, and he's like a rock. I, I mean, that's how I want to be when I'm in my late sixties. Pete looks like he can still knock people down. Unbelievable guy, strong physically, mind is strong, sharp as sharp can get. So Pete Kirsten and I will be in this seat tomorrow. And my show, again, Sunday nights, Rising Tides, please check me out. And in my social media, Khalid Namar, I'm on, uh, what do we, it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called X, which is like the dumbest branding change I've ever heard. It's just called X. I don't know. So you can get me on X and Facebook, Khalid Namar. So please follow me there. And, you know, this whole thing with, with Joe Biden that's going on, this entire corruption scandal has made me think about something that most people haven't even talked about. Why was Joe Biden in a position to go to Ukraine? Why was he in a position to threaten people to withhold money? When the president, the vice president has no executive authority in our constitution, why was he able to tell anybody they're not getting any money? The vice president has only a couple of jobs in the Constitution. He presides over the Senate and counts electoral votes, and then he sits around and waits for a funeral to go to that the president can't. I mean, they don't have much authority. So we had this assigning of policy uh, 
to the vice president, like Kamala Harris was given the Mexico situation, the border situation. They have no authority under our constitution to do any of this. So now you give him Ukraine policy, you give him Romania and China, and then he proceeds to enrich himself. The president, or shall I say the vice president, sits, he sort of straddles two branches. He's primarily a member of the legislative branch, but he also straddles the executive branch. But the where's the authority for him to sign off on any funding? He doesn't have any. He, he made a comment uh, that he wants to have this signing of, of aid to Ukraine. Like, where do you, you, you don't even, you're not the leader of, of the, of the Senate. You preside over it in cases of impeachment, in cases of, like I said, there's a, a, a vote uh, or you break a tie. You can do that, but you don't control any money to threaten anybody with. But this has been the expansion of not just the executive branch, but now you have the vice president with all these authorities and abilities that never in history he's had. Now he's used it to, to enrich himself and his entire family. So anyway, that just had me thinking about how this government is constantly finding new ways to get out of control. So anyway, it's uh, about 20 after the hour. we got a little more time left here on Always Right Radio. I'm Kylie Namar. we got a caller. Hang on the line if you're on. Uh, 901-0945. Area code 216-901-0945. If you want to call and yell at me or ask me a question, please call in. I'll be here. Stick around. Welcome back to Always Right Radio. I'm Khalid Namar. Man, I'm so much fun today. What's not fun is what's going on in the city of Cleveland. I've been covering this on my show. There's been this, not just uh, in our city, but around the country. But since I live here, we've had this crime wave that's been going on. And I'm heartbroken at this young woman who was killed. She was just to show you how cruel and unfair life is. This young woman, uh, and I believe her name was Janet Reyes. She was visiting from Arizona. She just was going to be here for a week. And she was in a car traveling on Pearl, which I five minutes from where I live. And four Young people were in a stolen car and smashed into her, and she was killed. This happens a lot around our country. It's happened in our city several times. I believe it's happened another time this year. We just had another car crash in a stolen car in Shaker on South Woodland. I believe yesterday or day before for Young people, again, in a Kia, were trapped inside of a car. Two of them were unconscious. They were all taken to the hospital because they were flagged by police scanners. Uh, the driver took off, crashed into the front yard of a, of, of a man who said he luckily he wasn't mowing the grass that day because he, he decided not to. This 
And, and even last year, there was a young woman on the west side of Cleveland who was killed by someone fleeing in a stolen car. This has bothered me like no other issue has bothered me because I have talked to kids. I've been a corrections officer. I talk to people all the time about the gateway crime, the number one crime that lands people into these situations of having a a pretty bad life is theft. That's why it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not steal. That's how bad it is. But some people, it's a sport. Robbery is a sport. So hundreds of car, Cleveland carjackings are up, I think, 90%. Not to mention other types of robberies. I, I have no idea what is going on. The mayor of Chicago, and I attacked him on my show, he didn't want these these uh, these kids who went into a store and looted and destroyed the store the other uh, the other day, he didn't want them to be referred to as a as a mob, uh, because he said, "Oh, I don't want to call these kids. This city has a history. I don't want them to be called many Al Capones." Like he doesn't know the difference between the mob and a mob. The mayor of Chicago. That's exactly what they were a a mob. They tore up a store. They looted. They threw stuff in the parking lot. But, you know, you, you, you can't you can't say that. This is what I mean about these people who don't want to speak truth. They don't want to speak truth. They are they are concerned about using little flowery language. He called them all these, you know, these large gatherings. It's, it's, it's what they do under communism. They control language. And these people don't want to speak the truth. So you have. The only person who really has always in this city, in my opinion, who has spoken real truth about what's going on has been a Democrat. And it's Mike Polensic. Polensic says what needs to be said. And these other little soft, squishy mayors like Bibb, like Justin, uh, Brandon Johnson in Chicago and and others, they just don't want you to be so mean, you know. You know, when you're talking about crime, you just have to say, oh, these are kids, you know. Yeah, I know they're killing people and they're stealing cars and they're robbing people. But, you know, you, you, you can't just be so mean to them. Those weaklings. I don't like squishy people. I just don't. I don't like squishy Republicans. That's why I don't like Rob Portman. I don't like John Kasich. They're squishy. You do not stand on principle at the same time and, and don't have a spine. You need a spine. And these mayors don't have it. Why people are dying, people are losing their property and their livelihoods. So anyway, time is flying by. We got the last segment left. I'll be back on the other side. I'm Colleen Amar in for Bob France. Welcome back to Always Right Radio, final segment here. Um, speaking of feckless mayors, <laughs> this guy Adams in New York. <laughs> I, I just don't uh, understand these people. I don't. Wh- why are they so weak and afraid? So you had, a, you had another large gathering in New York City where some guy was going to give away uh, PlayStations and 
some social media influencer. So thousands of people showed up. And, of course, they got stupid. There's a video of people jumping on top of cars. and t- I just had no idea. Listen, like many, I was a teenage boy. Teenage boys do stupid stuff. But guess what? The stuff that I did and my brothers did, it was stuff that mainly would hurt us, not other people's property. <laughs> like my brother, and true story, my brother and his friends plotted for like a week. I remember I was like six years old. I listened to them talk about the UPS driver used to speed down our street. And they plotted for like a week to jump on the back of the truck and ride it down to the corner. And I, and I heard, I didn't think they would do it. And they did. The driver stopped. He went to deliver a package. They went and jumped on the back of the truck, and he took off probably 50 miles an hour up the street. And they realized he was going so fast through the stop sign. He only rolled through the stop sign, and they jumped off, and they all had knots on their foreheads. And that's, that's what stuff, that's the kind of stuff that kids do, just dumb stuff. You know, you, you jump out of trees off the back of your garage or, you know, I get that stuff. That's what boys do. But never did I want to go and tear up, like, buildings and property and cars and jump on top of cars and i never we made our own little ramps because we all wanted to be evil knievel when we were kids <laughs> we all wanted to be evil knievel which was a danger to ourselves but we saw evil knievel jumping off bike ramps we wanted to do that that to me is kind of normal for boy because boys are boys are a little crazy but this kind of stuff that lands people in jail because they want to tear up stuff, smash windows, set cars on fire. I don't understand it. And something is wrong with us. But what's worse is that when you have the people that make the excuses. So this mayor, he basically complained about the police force that showed up. Um, The police are always at, at odds with, with, um, the mayor. So this is what, what he said. We are further looking into where there are even some outside agitators. You don't come to get free game boys and bring smoke bombs and bring M80s and bring other disruptive items. Adam said, mentioning a different video gaming system. We, we, we believe there was some outside influence that may have attempted to aggravate the situation. I mean, what is that? If you go back to the 1960s, Whenever there was some sort of trouble in these southern towns, you had these little crackpot, you know, mayors and and safety directors who would always blame outsiders. And if you look at the riots that took place during the George Floyd days, everybody always blames outsiders. So nobody has idiots in their towns. They always come from the outside. If you look at the articles, I, I looked up a bunch of articles to a to a person, every single mayor or leader says, oh, these are outsiders. It's like the people who used to always blame the roaches on the neighbors. <laughs> Those are not our roaches. Those are from next door. <laughs> that's, that's how people look at these idiots. Every town has idiots. Yes. Do people come from the outside? Yes, they do. But we have our own homegrown morons. And New York City, I think, has a few. Just a couple. And those were your morons. Those were not outside agitators. Own your morons. We have them lock them up. I was, uh, trust me, working as a corrections officer, some of the worst days of my life I had, I was there on the 10th floor 
during the George Floyd riots, looking down on these idiots setting cars on fire and blocking ambulances and things of that nature. I couldn't believe what I was watching happen to my city. And I had two pods of angry, some of the worst people in society. I'm talking carjackers. I was the only guard locked. They were all locked up. So they were ticked off about that. They were banging on walls. One of me broke a window. I had one of them threw something at me. Um, I'm talking gangbangers, carjackers, murderers, rapists, you know, uh, Steelers fans. I mean, it was tons. I'm just never no Steelers fans. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but, you, but you get it. It was some bad people. <laughs> it was some bad people in that jail. And I'm watching. I worked 20 hours that day because none of us could leave. None of us could leave because of the craziness that was going on around you around downtown 20 hours I worked. So I've seen this stuff firsthand. Somebody up again, broke a window banging because of all the agitators outside. It was, it was awful. That kind of stuff is not fun. So I've seen this stuff from, from the inside and I don't understand this mentality of what we have now. And so when people get locked up and they go to jail, there's people who want to get them out. You want to bail them out. No one's, responsible for their for their actions we don't shame this kind of behavior we just kind of slap it on the wrist we slap people on the wrist enough times and then when they do something more serious everybody's shocked i think we should have an opposite approach i think we should punish smaller crimes more seriously than we do because you get bigger crimes Uh, most people don't know that john Gotti actually did three years for a murder in the early 70s and he gets out and he's a hero and he eventually becomes a mob boss. That's what happens. You ascend to bigger crimes when you get away with with smaller crimes. So murder. Three years. Life is cheap in America. Property is getting cheaper. People are destroying people's livelihoods. And you get slapped on the wrist, you get probation because people think, oh, just you wag your finger. Most people don't raise their kids this way. Because everyone knows if you raise kids, you do, you do something little, it'll be something big. You let your kids disrespect you once, they'll do it again. I was a security officer at a mall and I was never soft on people who were caught shoplifting. I was always hard on them. Because I know you're going to do it again. So I made sure I, I lit a fire under you. And and I put the hammer on you because I, I don't take that lightly. Because I know what's going to happen if I let it go. Because you're going to go steal somewhere else if you think I'm a joke. And you're never going to think I'm a joke. As a corrections officer, I made sure the people broke rules. I made sure I let them know and I made, I made them pay for it. Because you're not going to treat me as if I'm some sort of joke. So sometimes you have to go Bernie Mac on people. And for those of you who know Bernie Mac, you know what that that means. (laughs) You have to or else they won't take you seriously. And I think that our law enforcement, it's a joke. I've heard guys use the word vacation to me on at least two occasions talking about the county jail. Oh, this is just, you know, just a little vacation. Twice this was said to me. So I've seen people concoct letters just so they can get a mental health judge. Cause you know, everybody has mental health problems now. Everybody, everybody has mental health, you know, mental, nobody's just 
behaving badly or immature or corrupt. They just, it's all mental health. So they know how to play the system. They write a letter so they can get a mental health judge so they can walk out or, or with treatment or something. I've seen this. I worked mental health for one year at the county. I know how these people think. I have a PhD in criminality. I was there 12 to 16 hours a day with these fools. It is. It, some of them do have legitimate mental health issues, but I know the difference between those who do and, and the con artists who are playing the system. And I think that these judges, they're smarter than these judges. So we have a bad situation going on right now because you have a, an element that advocates for criminals at every chance they get at the expense of law-abiding people like you and I. And we have to figure out a way to change this culture or else we are going to be further lawless because it's getting that way now in a lot of cities. Where are you going to move to? Where are you going to go? And I think that I ask people this question. I say, where are you going to go? I tell them uh, when I knock doors, I talk to people and say, you have a nice community right now, but just like your grass is mowed and it's cut and it's manicured, it's not going to get that will stay that way by itself. Somebody has to do it. And there were nice communities and nice cities. People can remember growing up in them 25, 30 years ago, but now they don't want to live there anymore. I've heard people tell me that about Euclid. Some neighborhoods in, in, in Collinwood, I've had people tell me, hey, I used to love living here. I don't love living here anymore. It changes, but it does not change by itself. So this is the where we are right now. But anyway, that's enough of me today. Thanks, Bob, sitting me in for allowing me to sit in. Thanks for the people in the studio for all the help. Thank you, and I hope you'll be back in this seat very soon. But Sunday nights, you can check me out if you want to hear more of my rantings. I'm Khalid Lamar. It's been great. Thank you. See you next time. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.